Hi, sunshine. I'm Natasha, your host for the Shine Online podcast and the founder of Soul Studio. In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no fluff advice, honest discussions, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. Now, before we get into today's topic, I wanted to share my free resource with you. Tasha's Toolbox and Strategy Kit includes 30 tools for creative and strategic content on Instagram, including my best tips, strategies, practices, all for growing on Instagram. Download the freebie at soulstudiomarketing.com slash toolbox, or I've linked it in the show notes for you. Now let's get into today's episode. Today in the podcast, I am so excited to have my dear friend Carson from Hype Gal on the show. Let me tell you, we have instantly become kindred spirits and I admire the way she has opened her heart and her journey to really inspiring other women through marketing, but also through mental health. So we're going to talk a lot about mental health and marketing and rest and how those can play a role into your life and business. I am so excited for you to meet her and experience her amazing energy and the amazing expertise she has to offer. So let's get right into today's show. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Woo! Did you like that? I wish everyone could see my dance. I know. No, that was that was <laughs> that was amazing. And I am just as excited to be here, but I forgot to make up a dance too. <laughs> Take it. We'll we'll plan next time. We'll have a dance. <laughs> I'm really excited because we're actually in real life friends. We're not just virtual friends. We started as Instagram friends. And when we had our first coffee date together, we just like automatically got into the real deep, cool, fun stuff. Like we didn't hold anything back. So I knew when I created the podcast, I was like, I need my girl Carson on here for sure. Yeah, it was so cool. I often think about that day. I remember just pulling up to the coffee shop. I was in like, I was in a good headspace, but I was in like, um, definitely a, coming out of the funk of like, you know, your mental health woes. And I don't know why, but you honestly felt like, like I had not spoken to you in real life a day in my life. And I just like plopped down with you. And it just felt like, like we had met 10,000 times before that day. And I was just like, yeah, girl, like I'm really struggling today. Um, Should I get uh, I, I want to get like decaf coffee. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was talking, I was like thinking about getting decaf coffee, which was like a really big deal to me because I love coffee, but I, I had been realizing that caffeine was triggering, um, my anxiety. And so that we just went into like a whole conversation about yep. that and just, you know, um, holistic nutrition. And it was, it literally felt like I was meeting up with a friend so that we could talk about my mental health. (laughs) Right? No, it honestly felt that way. Like you were like decaf and I was like, I'm drinking decaf right now, which is like something you never talk to someone about. But um, yeah, it really did kind of just like, 
spiral into like that conversation, which I thought was really awesome. So, um, I mean, the first thing is, is you just recently launched Hype Gal, which is like your new brand. Um, So do you kind of want to tell everyone like a background of, you know, I know you were like a virtual assistant, then you're in this marketing whiz, and now Hype Gal is this thing. So do you want to kind of give everyone a backstory? Yeah, I love this opportunity because I've noticed that I need to practice this backstory um, yes. because people are really the interested. Elevator pitch, it always takes Yeah, time. people are like super interested in this backstory and I absolutely love it. So, all right, let me give you the long story short, which hopefully won't actually be the long story long. <laughs> um, 2018 in general, I was working as a brand and marketing manager for a lo- local brick and mortar coffee shop in Tampa. I absolutely loved it, fell in love with the position, everything that, w- that I was doing there. But um, I was raised by entrepreneurs. So my mind is constantly thinking, you know, how can I monetize this for myself to have financial and time freedom? Uh, just because that's how I was raised and that's how I knew I always wanted my lifestyle to be. Um, working for other people is cool. Uh, I, I was very, um, you know, it's humbling. You get to learn alongside other people. It's such an amazing opportunity, but I knew in the long run that wasn't going to be what I wanted to do. So in October, 2018, I was offered an opportunity because I was trying to pick up other work, um, to see how I could do this. I was offered an opportunity by Horatio Printing, which is a planner company. It's a pretty well-known planner company. Um, and she asked me to be her virtual assistant. I actually applied to be her social media manager. So let's talk about failure real quick. <laughs> I applied to be her social media manager. There were like a hundred applicants. I made it into the top five, the top three, the top two. And let's just be honest. Like I thought I had it in the bag. Mm-hmm. Like when I received the phone call, which I was on my anniversary trip in Blue Ridge, Georgia, which I know you just went yes. to, I was on my anniversary trip and she was like, unfortunately you did. Like I thought I was about to get good news. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, that's the worst. You were yeah, ready. So, so um, I'm sitting on the porch and of this cabin, beautiful cabin. And um, she breaks the news to me and I was like, Oh, okay. Like I swallow my pride. And um, she's like, but I would love for you to be my virtual assistant. I had no idea what that was yeah. to be honest with you. It was kind of new. Mm-hmm. I think even in the industry, maybe at that time, like there were virtual assistants, but we weren't talking about it. And I accepted it. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's, you know, let's do it. Let's try it. I already had this time marked out in my schedule. I might as well. It paid the same. And so I was like, all right. Um, it was the best decision I ever made. Awesome. Yeah, it was so awesome. So then I became a virtual assistant, learned all the ropes. And then again, me thinking, how can I turn this into my own business? How can I monetize this even further um, and gain more clientele, freedom financially and time? Became a virtual assistant, took on clients immediately, had a very full schedule. It was amazing. But um, I don't know if you ever dabbled in the world of virtual assisting, but you can do so many things. You can be an administrative virtual assistant. You can be a creative virtual assistant. You can niche down to one area in general and just do Pinterest. I was doing it all. Yeah. Which in hindsight, I'm so thankful for because I for- forced myself to learn so many things. Mm-hmm. And with learning so many things, and this is how I got to Hype Gal, I realized that what I enjoyed most was 
using my natural skill of writing and marketing back to the brand and marketing um, position I had, you know, the prior, a year prior, I, I was just in love with that area. And that was my area of expertise. And that's what I loved helping women do. So naturally, it only made sense to, you know, become a copywriter and um, a marketing strategist. It's just, yeah. it flows out of me. It's its the thing that I'm most passionate about. And I found myself dreading, and I'm not saying that you should love every part of your work because we don't, but I just was dreading the other tasks. Yeah, no, I can totally relate to that. I mean, my journey was a little different, but I was offering everything at one point. Cause I was like, well, I have digital marketing experience. I should do everything. Websites, logos, all the social medias. Like, yeah, literally me vomiting every time I had a website project to the point where I'd have anxiety attacks. I'm like, I can't do this. This isn't why I created my business. And I was like, well, I really like this Instagram thing. So let's do Instagram. And yeah. now that's my thing. And it's like, yeah, I don't always love Instagram. Like when it shuts down, when it doesn't work, when it has stupid updates, like, you know. Instagram. But you're so good at it and you're so passionate about it and it shows. And I think that's what, you know, I think it's kind of a rite of passage. I don't want people to be listening to this and be like, oh my gosh, do I have to experience the same thing in order to find what it is that I love? Maybe, maybe not. I think one of the best questions you can ask yourself before you even get started is what's most life-giving for me Mm. to do? And, you know, your passion isn't always going to be the thing that makes you money, Absolutely, Um, but it could be. Uh, So just like asking yourself It's like, it's all about the questions we don't ask ourselves, right? Because like we get into this um, rat race of business and then we ask ourselves those questions because we get anxiety and we get overwhelmed. And then we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like what is most life-giving for me? What do I enjoy? So taking time to ask yourself those questions first could be super helpful, but that's how Hype Gal was born. I've always been super passionate about helping women. I love marketing, copywriting. So I just decided to literally create a brand and a business that did all of those things. And I think it speaks for itself, honestly. It It definitely does. And how you're saying it naturally flows out of you, like copywriting and marketing. Every time I read your content, I feel like I'm talking to you. And that's when you know you're really good at what you do. So I think it is, you know, a testament that I do think there is that growing pain. I think that first year of business should just be excitement of trying all the Mm. things. Amen. That doesn't mean you try a hundred million things, but it might, but it could be you try two things and you're like, wow, this one thing though, this is where that fire is. And the other one is like, I'm dreading even putting it on my to-do list. So I love how you mentioned that because I'm, I'm totally adamant about you don't have to niche down. It'll naturally happen eventually. Like, are you kind of with yeah. me with that one? Yeah, because you can't, you're going to, I mean, you're going to, if you're entering into your first year of business, look at it as a year of grace. Just be like, hey, we're going to say yes to a lot of things and we're probably not going to want to do all of those things long-term. But you know what? I'm so thankful to all the things that I said yes to, even if I no longer do them, because I learned so much. I learned so much and um, it's just so good. And now when I go to outsource the things that I don't want to do anymore, I know how people should be doing them. And I kind of know the ropes. I'm not going to get blindsided. And I have like a sort of expectation and I'm just humbled and I'm more appreciative of the things that I take off my plate because I know the time and effort and energy it's going to take someone else to do those. And, you know, uh, it's, it's almost like, think of it this way. It's like, 
when you hear those stories of, you know, people that started off cleaning the building of the office they became the CEO at. Mm -hmm. That is what your first year of business is. It's you taking on all the tedious roles that are super humbling, starting from the bottom, even though you're the CEO of your business, figuring it out, and then, you know, working your way up to that CEO position that you so desire, but you just don't know what that is yet. And then you're so appreciative for the person that is going to, quote unquote, clean your building. Yeah, definitely. I think those failures and experiences, they're invaluable in entrepreneurship. Like you have to have them to get growth. You can't just start with success. Like you'll always plateau at it if you don't have those failures. I wish. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But then it's like, you wouldn't have those stories. You wouldn't have those experiences. You wouldn't have that advice. And then you wouldn't be able to have that strength down the road when things aren't always going to always be perfect in entrepreneurship. In fact, they're probably not always going to (laughs) be. But I mean, going back to our first conversation, off the bat, we were talking about mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. Anxiety is something that I've always suffered with. Um, And bipolar disorder is something you've just started to kind of navigate on, you know, that being a part of your identity. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you want to kind of talk about how that's played into entrepreneurship, how you navigate with mental health? Because I think even when you told me you had bipolar disorder, I had to take a step back and I was like, I don't know a lot about this and I know everything I do know is what's in the media or is very skewed. I knew that. So I really had to like listen and hear your story. And it was just so helpful for me, even thinking of how I can communicate my anxieties and all those different types of things. So I'm excited to for you to kind of share with everyone else. Yeah. So mental health in my family um, is just uh, genetic. Uh, so There are a few cases um, of people that I've never met because maybe it was my great-great-grandmother that I've heard stories of, um, you know, that have had bipolar disorder. And I I do believe it is familial, you know. Um, And I've, uh, ever since my, I would say, late teens, um, early adulthood, um, so for the past (laughs) decade, I have, I always knew I had a mood disorder and I, um, you know, my parents always knew that there was something wrong with me. I was uh, wrong, quote unquote wrong, um, mm-hmm. because I don't think that there's anything wrong with me. Yeah. We can't help the way our brains are wired. Um, we don't get to choose that. Right. Uh, so I picked up on it from late teen, early adulthood. And I just thought that I had a mood disorder and I struggled hard, hard, hard with um, more depression. So I know you're more anxiety. I've picked up on anxiety in my adulthood, but I strictly think it's work, <laughs> work and re- just life right. being an adult related. <laughs> so um, mine more so was depression and that's what bipolar, so there's bipolar one and there's bipolar two for everyone listening. I know bipolar disorder has a nasty stigma. It's not talked about as much and I, and I, I truly, after being diagnosed this past year, um, I truly do want to do my part in educating people more, but that also comes with educating myself. And there's a lot to learn about it. Um, I never wanted to press into my diagnosis, which is how I got to my diagnosis is pretty, um, it's pretty comical. So um, I like telling the story, but so when I was learning about bipolar one and bipolar two, didn't even know that there are two different types. Um, Yeah, me either. Yeah, bipolar two, uh, and please go do your research. We don't have time to like dig into all of it right now, but bipolar two, just for you know anyone who is like, oh, what is the difference? Uh, bipolar two is more waves, like 
of depression with a bout of mania just a cut one time in your life you have you you get mania all right and mania is mania could be a lot of things um so you know go look up what mania is mania isn't just running out of your house and going gambling for a night or like abusing alcohol or you know all the things that we think bipolar disorder when we think of mania is right um so then there's bipolar one uh disorder, which is, you know, cases of mania and depression more consistently. You have, you have more of both, right? And mania can even be irritability. So my, and that's, that's what my mania flushes out as, is I get angry, I get irritable Mm -hmm. and, you know, like not angry, like I want to punch a wall, but like angry is like, I want to shove my face into this pillow and scream, (laughs) you know, just like you can feel yourself just be so irritable and just like it, it's almost, it's the most disconnected I've ever felt from my, from myself. Because if you know me, I'm an Enneagram too. I'm incredibly I would say warm and friendly and personable and I love people. So for me to feel out of body anger is um, just very strange and very foreign to me. But how I got to my, to my uh, diagnosis was I actually started going to counseling for friendship mm-hmm. um, because I was having a really hard time in friendship. And my counselor one day was like, hey, have you ever been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I was like, no, I have a mood disorder. Like we're not doing this right now. (laughs) We're talking about friendship. And then I went to um, counseling with my husband. We do marriage counseling every so often just to check in. And my marriage counselor was like, hey, have you ever been diagnosed with bipolar disorder? And that's a whole separate counselor. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So, um, then I, I marched back in my, my personal therapist's office the next time. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this. But the reason I wasn't ready to press into a diagnosis is because bipolar disorder and just taking care of your mental health in general, like going to receive a diagnosis and saying, I'm ready to start taking care of myself just felt like such a lengthy and foreign process. Like it felt like it was going to take time away from all the other things I was pouring into, which sounds so silly, right? But no, I mean, I think everyone can relate to that. I mean, whether it's, you know, their mental health or just their self-care, it's hard to go and actually get it done. It's like when I was experiencing my adrenal fatigue, I was like, oh, I'm just like really tired. It's a busy season, you know, more speaking events. But when I eventually went to holistic doctor, she's like, yeah, that feeling, that's your adrenal glands. Like they're struggling. I can feel them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why was I pushing so hard when I really just needed to put that energy into taking care of myself? It's it's kind of insane how I think entrepreneurs were so ready to take care of our business, take care oh, of our yeah. clients, but not necessarily take care of ourselves. Oh yeah. And I think it's just all how I was raised as well. You know, I wasn't um, raised in a household where we taught, like my, my dad still thinks it's kind of strange that I go to therapy. You know, um, that generation, they didn't take care of themselves the way that we, um, that we take care of ourselves and that the way that it's even talked about, you know, we talk about mental, sorry, I cannot, I don't know how to shut my notifications off on my computer. (laughs) I think it, you know, all has to do with the way that I was raised. Um, I was 
raised, I was not raised in a household where rest, rest was um, glorified laziness, right? My, my dad was an entrepreneur um, as well as my mom. And he was always go, 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 go. If you had time to lean, you had time to clean. As soon as he would walk in the house, I would make myself busy because mm-hmm. I knew that's what he liked. And he wasn't like bad dad by any yeah. means. But, like he was a super hardworking, um, super hardworking guy. Like he built his business from the ground up. And I think he felt the way of like he had to keep going in order to um, see continued success. So I was not raised in in a household that I was raised in a very anxious household when you think about it, you know, because we didn't rest. We didn't talk about rest. Um, Vacation was, you know, a luxury, like taking time off to go vacation was a luxury. My dad only took one vacation a year and it was for a week. Mm -hmm. That is it. any other time he was connected to his phone, taking orders, or he, they own a wholesale plant nursery. So it just, it exhausts me, honestly, thinking about it yeah. because that's like how, you know, it, I can see now as an adult where I picked up on those habits and people listening might be like, yeah, I was raised by a single mom who works, you know, four jobs. And so that's how I operate. And it truly is familial. Um, but I think it all comes down to, we have to take care of ourselves. You know, um, our business flows from, from us. So if we're not taking care of us, how are, how do we ever think that we're going to, you know, see that kind of success and not just success in a profitable way, but let's be honest. Like if I think about why I really have a business, it's because I want a peaceful life. I want a life with We've talked, I've said it multiple times here today with financial freedom and time freedom. How am I ever going to get that if I'm not taking care of my mental health and resting? And that's how kind of my therapist put it to me. She was like, um, I know it looks hard to dive into this now, but what if it makes your life better? What if your life is actually better because you take the time to see what you need? Yep. Yeah. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Okay, then we'll do it, I guess. Woo. (laughs) And then it starts that journey. And I think it's always kind of finding how can you better take care of yourself? It's something that I've done. I feel like entrepreneurship kind of reveals even more because, you know, once you're done at your, you know, maybe nine to five, you can kind of unplug and be like, okay, let's unwind. I'm not working. I'm taking care of myself. I'm relaxing. But with entrepreneurship, it's hard to make those boundaries. So you really have to force yourself to make them. Um, Mm -hmm. I know for my self care that especially with my anxiety, like, you know, decaf, we love her. Oh, um, and why then, is decaf not cool? I know. it's. I'm trying to make it Let's cool. make it cool. <laughs> I think people think it tastes gross. Like when I told Marlon, he's like, it tastes different. I'm like, no, it's not. He drinks decaf no. every morning now. I was like, mm. the exact, let's, let's make, let's set the record straight. Decaf tastes the exact same. I mean, you got to get you some good decaf. I just ordered some like organic, um, some type of decaf off of like Thrive Market. I'll tell you about it when I get it. So let's just set the record straight. Decaf is great. It tastes the same. Put your, you know, your creamer in it. We are, we're making decaf cool right now. Yes, right now. We'll make stickers for it. Yeah, decaf is cool. (laughs) It honestly is. And like, whether or not you struggle with mental health, like chances are you don't need as much caffeine as you're intaking. Um, and you would be surprised how good you feel once you wean yourself off it, even if it's just a little bit. 
but yeah, decaf makes a big difference for me. Like yoga has been huge. Just being mindful, taking care of my body cycle, like working out, I feel like is a big thing for my anxieties. Um, what's something that really helps you and has been like a self care practice for you? Are we working on it? I know we have your, your rest day. So that's the first part. Oh, let's talk about that. Okay. So, um, I practice a Sabbath when I'm trying to actually be more intentional and disciplined. I think I like, I think we need to be honest and say that we have to discipline ourselves to rest. We don't really have to discipline ourselves to do things that we're passionate about. Um, so it does require discipline, you know, and I'm just trying to be more intentional about not just working, but living from a place of rest, like not rewarding myself with rest. Like, okay, Carson, like after we make it through this week, after we make it through this day, after we make it through this season, then we get to rest on this day or we get to go on this vacation. Like, no, our lives should actually, we should be operating from a place of rest and overflow, right? It's not something that we reward ourselves with. Um, and I had a dear friend actually tell, like remind me of that the other day because I was rewarding myself with rest. So, okay, something that really helps me is giving myself the space. I've actually had to schedule it into my calendar. I re, um, revamped my whole calendar the other day and I scheduled in margin and rest. And I will tell you, um, I think this will be the most practical thing because there's lots of things I could talk about when it comes to, you know, like I've started deep breathing, I've done decaf, I'm, you know, trying to be more mindful. There are two things that I think might help um, especially if someone is listening and they're more feelings based, because I think we're both um, pretty feelings based individuals. We tend to make um, impulsive, emotional decisions sometimes, maybe, and we're very led by our feelings. You're an Enneagram four, yeah? Oh, five. Five, okay. So every um, in the morning, I wake up and I journal my feelings. I check in with myself. So I think checking in with yourself is a super helpful thing that and it's something that we don't really take time to do. So I check in with myself. I ask myself how I'm feeling. And I literally, I write it out. And then I don't just leave it there. I validate it. Mm. So maybe I'm feeling foggy. You know, so maybe I'm like, I'm feeling super foggy this morning. Then I say, it makes sense that I'm feeling foggy because I went to bed pretty late and I like getting up early in the morning. So that way I don't create an ugly narrative in my head because especially with mental health disorders like bipolar disorder, like, um, you know, anxiety, people with depression, we can tend to let our mind get the best of us and create really nasty narratives. So taking hold of my feelings and my thoughts, checking in with myself, writing them down and validating them is the biggest part. And then, um, throughout my day, I've actually scheduled margin, like margin in. So I'm not hopping from task to task to task to task to task. In between each task, I maybe have like 15 to 30 minutes to check in with myself again, um, to, you know, maybe like pray or whatever it is I need to do. Um, just to like, it's, I think about it as creating a little desert in my life. Yeah, it's um, really important. I do the same yeah. thing. I was reading a productivity book and it was saying that you're not more productive when you work in longer sprints. Like those 15 second or 15 minute breaks, just walk, go drink some water, water your plants, get outside, like play with your dogs. Like it's really that simple. And I think like, you know, sit down and take the time. It'll feel uncomfortable to write out what is self-care to me? Is it taking a bubble bath? Is it 
lathering your body with essential oils. That's my favorite thing to do. (laughs) Find out what it is and incorporate that throughout your day because it doesn't have to be this whole hour long self-care practice every single evening. It's really making it more of a lifestyle, less of a like, yeah is happening right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I think margin does for us. It's a, it reminds us that rest is a lifestyle yeah. that rest belongs in our life more than work does. Yeah. You know, that taking care of ourselves belongs in our day and just giving yourself a 15 minute margin or 30 minute margin in between your tasks to stretch or walk or go drink some water or ask or literally ask yourself like, Hey, what do I need? Yeah. Like, do what, what do I need right now? You know, how many times have you actually asked yourself during the day what you need? Probably never. Yeah, exactly. We're still like, we're thinking about what our clients need or what, um, you know, what your um, what Marlon needs or what, you know, my husband needs or so many people need and we don't ask ourselves what we need. And I think that's incredibly important, especially uh, as we think about our businesses, you know? Absolutely. I agree. And I think one thing that we both agree on implementing is co-working. We love co-working spaces. um, And that's kind of almost a version of entrepreneurial self-care in a sense. And I think some people like working from home and it sounds really glamorous and fun and nice, but I think co-working spaces could possibly have a place in everybody's business. And I always say like, it's actually probably more cost effective than heading to the coffee shop. Cause you have to yes. get coffee, you have to find the plugs, you have to make sure you're parked in the right place. Maybe you have to pay for parking. Like you never know. So why is like co-working something you've decided to invest in? Okay. Well, um, I don't know if we've already talked about this. Well, I don't think we have, but I just moved. So, um, we actually live pretty close. Yeah. We both just moved. (laughs) We both just moved. Congratulations to both of us. Um, so when I was making my move, I had a beautiful home office at my last house. Like that space was dreamy. My husband was the best. He made it everything that I wanted. Um, like light wood floors, blush walls, like pretty Ikea. It was just, Oh man, like I miss that place. But as, and I, that I always like, you know, after having such a beautiful office and it just being my space, I was like, for, for sure, like one of the rooms in my house is going to like, I'm going to have to transfer all the stuff over. And then I was sitting there and I honestly just like felt God be like, Hey, it's time for work to be work and home to be home. Mm. And I was like, all right. Uh, no, <laughs> because I love my office, but I really just sat in that for a second and I reflected on the past year. I reflected on how many times I've cried at my desk because of my mental, because of my bipolar disorder. I have bipolar disorder and sometimes some days are harder than others. And I cry at my desk and then I go crawl in bed and I sleep for two hours and then I beat myself up because I didn't get things done. And then I work till 2am. Okay. That used to be my, my norm before I started taking care of myself. I'm going to be just very honest with you. Um, that's a day in the life of bipolar and depression. So I started reflecting on the past year and about how many times I've done that and how much I love being around people. I love people. I, and not that I need to go sit with someone and work with them and chat their ear off. I just love being around people, people's energy. Um, it, it energizes me as long as they're good people. Um, so I was just reflecting and just really thinking on the past year and just what I went through and 
I was like, okay, this, this might be a really great idea, not only for, for work and productivity, but for my, for me as a human, Mm. for my marriage, for my friendships to truly separate work and home. And now that we're entering into this new space, our new home to curate it intentionally, to be a place of rest, a place of community, a place of peace, um, for myself and my marriage. Coincidentally, one of my friends who owns a co-work space in Tampa asked me, she was like, I ran into her randomly and she was like, Hey, I think Hype Gal would be a perfect fit for our co-working space because they curate and they curate their co-working space intentionally with creatives in mind um, so that people can collaborate. Uh, so it was just perfect timing. And I swear to you, I set up that appointment. I went in there and I booked right away because I knew it was just so ordained and it was it was great. And I tell you, I've been co-working there for the last two weeks and it's the best investment I've ever made business-wise. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. Co-working, not only, yeah, it makes you so much more productive, but being around other creatives, being around other entrepreneurs, even if you're not networking your butt off every day, even if you're not making tons of friends, like just being in that space, like entrepreneurship is lonely, whether or not you have virtual friends in real life friends that have businesses, like it's really nice to be around people. Like people want to be around people. You don't want to be a hermit. Like, trust me, you do want to be around people. Um, and I found that like, I honestly, that was the one thing I missed from having like a job was dressed, putting my outfit on, going to work, packing my bag, packing my lunch, like planning my workout class afterwards. Like that structure, like, oh my gosh, that just sounded like the perfect morning, like, (laughs) but it is really nice. It is so true. And I would find myself, um, you know, I have a rule for myself when I go to the co-work space. My rule is um, that I don't wear yoga pants and I don't wear flip flops. Yep. And that has been such a game changer for me too. Cause I would like, you know, stay in, I'm not going to lie. This is like you, you might see people on Instagram being like, Oh, I work from home, but I get dressed up. They're doing that one day a week. And that is the one day a week that they are showing you that they are. Doing that. <laughs> I can think of one person off the top of my head. And she's like one of my best friends who actually gets dressed every day to work from home. And she's an Enneagram three. And that just makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> But besides that, like I would stay in my, you know, PJs probably till like 1 p.m. Please, I would like brush my teeth and like put deodorant on, okay? Like I was not like, you know, yeah. some. You gotta do that at least. <laughs> um, but, you know, I would say my PJs, which is so unmotivating. It just don't take yourself seriously. I don't care what people say. You do not take yourself seriously. Um, or at least I didn't. And, So it's just been so great all around professionally. Like I truly feel like I am stepping into my CEO role Mm. of, um, you know, who I am with hype gal and I get dressed. Um, I just, I feel so much better. I go to the gym before I, it's almost like I'm getting ready to go to my quote unquote office, you know, because I I am and it just feels amazing. And I know it's, um, and then when I leave, I leave, I, I leave, I I um so I chose the membership intentionally because there's three different options. I chose the me- membership where I can only work Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Yep. Because your girl doesn't really need more than that. No. I don't need that's 12 hour days, okay? 
Um, and there's options because we, it's a key fob entry where, you know, you, there's a 24 seven option and that was tempting Yeah. because my, my husband works shift work. He works nights and days and some weekends. And that's where I found myself more inclined to be a workaholic because if he was yep. working weekends, I would work all weekend long. And if he was working nights, I would work late into the night. So I literally chose the membership to protect myself. Mm, yeah. It's, it's funny. Like Marlon was the same way because he worked in healthcare. So he would work weekends and he would work really early mornings, really late evenings. And like, I found myself catering my work schedule to him. But now that we're both in a space where like, it really is like an eight to five and that is it. And that is really nice. And I think there's also, you know, we're talking about mental health and self-care. So there's also that balance. So I've been learning a lot about like syncing my cycle with my business. So on my period, like, yeah, I'm probably going to work from home that whole week. You know what I mean? Can we plug Barry on Barry? Do you know her? Yes. Yes. She's going to be on the podcast. So So we're going to talk all about it because We are not pros, we're learning, but that has been just a small thing where it's like in that period, like that, that cycle, you're supposed to really rest and take care of yourself and retreat. You're not supposed to go to your co-working space and put on jeans, like jeans on your period. Oh yes. God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now that we've kind of, yeah. So just to touch on that, like if there's anyone, you know, listening who is struggling with mental health or maybe you're running your business, learning more about your period, especially as a woman and like when you um, should be doing things creatively and when you should be resting and when you should be scheduling your meetings all around your cycle is such a game changer because with bipolar disorder and with mental illness in general, I don't know about you, um, but my symptoms flare up tenfold around either, either my, my PMS week or right after. Um, so it's kind of a little bit of both. I've been trying to track, but my symptoms are like, I get the full gamut of all my bipolar symptoms mixed with like the hormonal imbalance of, um, PMS during that week. And I've been tracking that for about three months now. And that is when I just, that's when I get super depressed. I'm like, maybe this entrepreneur life isn't for me. Maybe I should go get a nine to five. And I realized that's not the truth. It's just because like the chemicals in my brain already do not play very nice with each other. And then you add hormones on top of that. And it's no wonder that we're feeling even worse. And, you know, we're not being kind to ourselves on top of that. So sync your cycle. Yes, absolutely. I have noticed the same thing as like the week before I am grumpy. I don't want to be around people. I'm super anxious. And it's just one of those times where it's like you have to reflect. You have to just take time away. And it's all about balance. Like everything we're talking about, you know, self-care, co-working you know, having those creative hustle moments, like it's all in balance. And it's just being in sync with that and being aware. Um, Speaking of creative hustle moments, let's talk about email marketing, because um, I know it's an amazing way to market your business. But I know you're a pro at it. So if people are like, okay, yeah, email marketing is something I need to be focusing more on. Like, where do I start? How do I figure out my email marketing groove and how do I grow my list so I'm not talking to like my mom and two other people, you know? <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Is that what you are doing? Are you talking to your mom? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> no, but that first week was. <laughs> <laughs> like, is this a personal question? No, I'm just kidding. I know you have an amazing, an amazing group of people that nurture. <laughs> um, okay. So email marketing in general love it. 
I am a huge uh, advocate of having an email list for, you know, a couple of reasons. But the main reason is, is I think we just, we're being raised in an entrepreneurial generation and time period where social media is all the rage. And let, let's just make that clear. Social media, 110 million percent necessary. It's your new, you know, it's the new Google. When you find a new business, restaurant, whatever, we don't Google it anymore. We check out their Instagram. Okay. Instagram, totally necessary. But we've said this also on the podcast. What if Instagram crashes for the day? Yeah. Let's just, let's just play this out. We're it does. It has. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're launching something, right? You know, we're, we have this launch. We've been talking about it, talking about it, talking about it on launch day. Instagram crashes. Yeah. We can't look at any posts. We can't upload anything, but we have that, that little link in our bio that people yeah. can tap, you know? So Email marketing is another way to reach your audience less something go wrong. Yeah. And even more than that, okay, so that's just like, you know, that's just case in point number one. But it's also another way to reach your audience on an intimate level. When we post things on social media, we can't control how the algorithm is going to allow them to show up in our, in our ideal audience's feed, right? But when someone's giving you access to their inbox, you're showing up there consistently and they do see it. And I know a lot of people's dilemma is, okay, but what if they don't open my email and purchase immediately? Yeah. Okay. Maybe they might not, but let me tell you something. The more consistently you're showing up in someone's inbox, I'm not saying to spam them. You need to be, you know, you need to have a strategy just as you have strategies for all marketing. Um, you want to be very intentional. It's a privilege to be in someone's inbox. Okay. It is not your God given right. Just like, you know, it kind of is on other platforms. So, you know, you're showing up in their inbox. I have people that I sign up to receive emails from and I might not need their service right now. Okay. So, um, Barry, Let's take Barry, for example. Uh, We were just talking about she's the period coach, okay? Everyone needs her if you're a woman. Also, maybe if you're a man and you need to help your girl. (laughs) A little bit of both. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so so let's take Barry. Barry just released this amazing inflow, I think that's what it's called, program. Um, I, you know, I'm spending tons of money on things right now with home moves, business moves, and I'm not ready to invest in it, but goodness, I love that woman and I eventually want to invest in that one day. Okay. Um, so she's in my inbox. I'm opening her emails. I'm getting nurtured by her. She's teaching me lots of cool things about her, my period and how to do things. I want to invest in her program right now or eventually, but can't right now. But when I am ready, who do you think I'm going to go to? Her, 110%, because she's been showing up in my inbox. She's been giving me great information. I've been reading and learning about what she offers. So just because you send an email to someone and they didn't click or buy right away doesn't mean that they're writing you off. You're going to be their go-to person when they're ready. Absolutely. You know, um, so it's just a great way to reach and nurture a different and eventually sell, let's be honest, to a whole other audience. I've had, I've helped women, you know, um, we've created email lists and that's where the majority of their launch success came from was their email list because you have the opportunity to engage with people on an intimate level. You can converse with them back and forth. They can reply and you are just intentionally having that conversation with them, answering their questions about, you know, maybe you're releasing something and they have a question about it and you're, you're talking to them through email and then all of a sudden they're like, Ooh, boom, done. Bye. 
you know? So it's just, it's a beautiful platform. Um, But I I think it definitely needs to be used intentionally. Uh, If there's one message I could just, I just wish I could preach for email marketing. It's that like, let's not ruin it. Okay. Let's, we need to be super intentional and nurture our people there um, and have a strong strategy just as we would if we're, you know, hopping on Instagram or another marketing platform. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think nurturing is the key word. And I think you always think of emails, they have to be valuable and it can be education, but it could just be you sharing stories. Um, Another podcast guest, um, Quinn, she has her postcards, postcards on purpose. And each week, it's just a story in her business that she's, you know, learned something about in her life. And it's just like a personal casual chat. So I think there can be a lot of different ways you do it, but you want it to be intentional and for it to make sense for your brand. And then, you know, you can eventually sell to your list, but it really is about nurturing. Um, even with my course launch, my, my recent course launch, um, that was the most successful thing was my wait list and my newsletter list. Um, Instagram played a huge role. Instagram lives played a huge role, but I really nurtured that wait list before I was like, Hey, you can purchase it now. So people instantly purchased it once they, you know, had that opportunity. So I think that really is the key. Um, as we're ending things off, what is like the most successful email marketing campaigns you've seen for your own clients? Um, even, you know, emails you're starting to do for hype gal, like what have you seen like have kind of work? You can give a few examples if you want. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I'll have two examples right off the bat. So, um, I just did a launch with a client, um, I think it was middle of this year and that's when we, we realized that, you know, she had, I think 15 applicants, if I'm not wrong, just strictly, it was an application based program. Um, I think she had 20 slots to fill and I think 75% of them came from email nurturing that list and speaking, speaking to that one person. So it's another opportunity to speak to your ideal client in a more intimate way and solve their problems. And, um, that's when we saw a lot of, a lot more applications come in besides just via, um, social media and Instagram, because, you know, just like not everyone that follows you sees your story. Like some people might see your story. Some people might see your post, but when that email shows up in their inbox, they're going to see it. You know, um, so just also translating that message and just being more intentional, intentional about marketing her service to, cause her list was, was substantial, you know, and it wasn't being used. So yes, we did take time to intentionally nurture her audience before we knew that we were heading into this launch and we saw incredible results from it. Um, so I would say just testing it out, you know, and that, so that was strictly like text based. Okay. So, um, we were writing a lot of, um, I wrote a lot of, you know, really strong and good copy, um, for that launch. And we, and we always with emails calls to action button, you know, just like, I think call to action is, should be, you know, across the board. Um, when we're writing Instagram captions, we have a call to action, right? But it's, it's like a text-based call to action. It's, it's more of a transitional call, call to action. So there's two types of calls to action. There's um, direct and transitional. Um, unless there's a button that people can click to purchase now, it's a transitional call to action. So Instagram would be more transitional, right? Um, we're asking them to comment or go click a link in the bio or yada, yada. And um, with email, you have direct tra- um, calls to action. So you have an opportunity to solve people's problems, give them a solution, give them a plan, and then put a nice button at the end that says, 
you know, make this decision now. So that was what we did for her. For Hype Gal, a lot of my emails have actually been video-based. Yes, which I love. Yeah, video has been um, something that I just wanted to incorporate more into my brand uh, with this new launch. And so with HypeGal, I've been nurturing my audience via video. So I actually, every Monday, if you sign up for the HypeGal email list, you will get a five-minute marketing video delivered to your inbox. It is... um, it was created to educate and equip and encourage the everyday gal. So like you and me to become the marketing pros, our businesses need us to be because I know marketing can be so intimidating. So I was like, let's create fun five minute videos that, you know, women business owners can watch while they're, they go out at 6 30 AM on purpose so that women can watch them on Mondays while they're getting ready and maybe jot down notes, like as they're getting ready or as they're drinking coffee, part of their morning routine so that they can be, you know, implement those tips immediately if it fits into their brand. Um, and that's just one part of the way that I'm nurturing my audience right now. And also so that, that they get used to me and they trust me and they know that I know when I'm talking about. So that way, when I do roll out a service, they're like, Oh man, I've already learned so much from her five minute videos. I can't mm-hmm. wait to actually like have a robust service. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. I think video is super powerful. You know, I love it um, for social media. I love it everywhere, but I think that it's really unique that you're including that with your emails. And I think it will hopefully inspire other people that you can absolutely do the same thing. Um, but I also really love the, um, you know, community aspect because it is regular. People love when they can expect a series. This can apply to all marketing essentially, but I love how, you know, every Monday morning, it's a routine. You expect that. Um, Babe Crafted, for example, they always do Friday mornings, which I love. Um, You know, Quinn, she does hers on Fridays. So it's like, you know, you can really look forward to those emails and it's not something like, oh, another something in my inbox because inboxes are cluttered. Like people don't always want to look at them. But if you know that one name, you know, from Hype Gal or from Babe Crafted or whoever it's from, it really creates like an excitement and like builds that relationship. Yeah. I would say, I would say educational material and inspirational material. Truly do um, the best in an email inbox. And you do want to train people to expect a certain content. Um, And, you know, subject lines are, are, you know, a great way to do that too. And the tip I would give for subject lines, because I know that's the hardest part, you craft this beautiful email and you're like, oh my gosh, like I need my subject to stand out because that's how they're going to click this. Don't be cute. Um, I would say cute causes confusion. Just be straightforward. You'd be surprised how much that works. You know, don't be, if you feel like anything that you're writing or if you're putting uh, something elusive in your subject line, delete it immediately because you want, you know, if you have three tips that are going to help my self care or improve my self care, put that in your subject line, please. Let me know that you have three simple ways to improve my mental health or my self care. And I'm, and now I know what to expect. I'm like, okay, I'm going to open this email. There's going to be three ways that I can improve my self care. That's something I'm struggling with. Boom. You know, don't put self care is hard. You know, let's, you, you know, don't be, don't be cute and elusive. Be, um, straightforward because I already know self care is hard. What I'm looking for is for you to provide a solution. Emails, If there is one thing that you take away from this entire podcast, 
Emails should be solutions to your ideal customer or client's problems. Provide solutions to their problems and they will buy what you are selling. Yes, that is such a good tip because I know I've been on newsletter lists where it's like just the funkiest subject lines. Like maybe they work, but I like literally don't even read it and I just like delete. Like I can't, I can't do it. It's, It's a little too much, a little too cutesy. So I think that's a really good tip. And I think like, the first line in an Instagram caption, I always compare to yeah. newsletter subjects. Yeah. So the exact same thing, like you want to create some type of suspense, of course, but you want to say like, what are you going to get out of reading this um, is essentially what you want to deliver when you're kind of introducing content to people, I think. Because the star feature on an email is the same as the save tab on an Instagram post. Your ideal customer or client might not have time to read it immediately, but I can't even tell you how many times I go through and star emails that I don't have time to read because I'm deep in client work, but I'm I'm going to go back and read later. Just like the little, um, you know, save tab um, on Instagram. So it's so true. It's, It's the same thing. Just... Think about how you can solve people's problems, create content around that because truly we're all walking around looking for solutions. Mm. We buy things based off of solutions. Absolutely. Yeah. We want help. (laughs) Yes. We need and want help. (laughs) Well, I'm so happy you shared those email marketing tips and shared a little bit about your story. Um, I would love for you to tell people how they can be a part of the Hype Gal list because it is so good. It has quickly become a part of my morning routine, which I really love. So thank you so much. I just, I, I love it. It's, it's really hard watching yourself on video. This is like my first ever video debut. So I was like, Oh, it's a little cringy, a little cringy at first, but it's a lot of fun. It's so fun. The videos truly are very fun and educational. Um, so throughout the month of December, I actually have guests, um, video guests in, in my videos with me. And then starting in January, it'll just be yours truly um, until my next guest video series. So if you want to sign up, I don't know when this will air, but either way, you'll get a video every Monday. So you're going to go to um, at your hype gal on Instagram, G-A-L, and then just click the link in the bio and sign up for my email list. Speaking of emails, if you are like, oh my gosh, I need to implement an email strategy immediately. There's also a link to my favorite, favorite, favorite um, email marketing platform called Flowdesk in there. And I have a little link where you can actually get it at 50% off, which is incredible. They also don't penalize you for your growing list. So if you're like, girl, I need to import like 10,000 contacts from MailChimp to Flowdesk, well, guess what? It's the same price. So um, sign up for the email list and grab that affiliate link if you want to start an email marketing campaign. And just, you know, that's like a recipe for success right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Flowdesk is taking off and I've gotten emails from it and they are really gorgeous. Um, and yeah, if you're on MailChimp or something, you know, just start thinking of my green. Why are you? No, I'm on MailerLite. Lite. I'm on MailerLite. Well, I'm just saying like, if you are on MailChimp, like that is an act of self-harm, not self-care. Yeah. That's why I did the transition. And I mean, MailerLite, I think looks kind of similar to Flowdesk from what I've seen, but yeah, I would start, you know, start doing little transitions, but we'll leave all that in the show notes. And we'll also leave some mental health resources for bipolar disorder and everything else. So you can kind of delve more into those topics. I think that will be really helpful as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. It's such a great way to start my rest day. Thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Awesome. 
thank you so much to today's expert guest for joining us today. And to my listeners, I hope you found this episode helpful and insightful for building your online brand. If you want to connect with today's guest and check out any of the important links mentioned in the show, I've linked all the details in today's show notes. Also, please send us a message and say hi if you've listened and you have any thoughts or ideas you want to share. We're all ears and we are all open in the DMs on Instagram. If you love this episode, be sure to share it with us on Instagram by tagging at Soul Studio Marketing and join in on the conversation at hashtag the shine online podcast share this episode with a friend that needs to hear those mic drop moments and be sure to subscribe so you know when the next episode is live and ready to flow through your earbuds If you loved what you heard today, I'd so appreciate it if you left us a review. It really supports us and it helps new people join the Sunshine family. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your biz to shine. I'll see you next time.